And I definitely want to, I want to put or be in a position or have companies in a position where people are asking for training. I don't want to wait for the leader to point somebody out. I want, I want someone to feel comfortable saying, I want more training on X, Y, Z. The more we promote it, the more we track it, the more we show it to people and celebrate Mm -hmm. it the more eager they're going to be to say, oh, you know, the, we can do this. I, I can ask for more training. I can. And then, then they go home and, you know, their friends hate their job and never get any training. And they can say, no, we do training. No, we, we, we do that. You should come work with us. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass, a podcast channel presented by Nolan Consulting Group. My name is Molly Nolan, and we're back today with NCG Senior Business Coach and Director of Finance, Andrew Amrine for the final episode of our KPIs by Department series. Through the series, we have focused on the importance of KPIs with an emphasis on each organizational department. We started with marketing and sales, moved to inside and outside operations, and now we move to the counting and the calculating of the human resources and accounting department. From recruiting and training analytics to the day's receivables and job costing expectations, we highlight recommendations, the why behind them, and encourage you to make tracking a focus to guide future decisions. Today's episode of Out of the Hourglass is brought to you by Graco. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. Well, welcome back, Andrew Amrine, to the podcast. How are you today? Hi, thanks for having me back. I'm doing great. I, I have to make a note and let our listeners know that since you and I last recorded, which is a, maybe just a little over a month ago, a big life event happened for you and your yeah, family. Yeah, baby number five is here. Little Joe Joseph, Jojo, as Little he's Jojo. affectionately called in the house. Yep, Joseph <laughs> Charles. JC and the Sunshine Band, maybe we'll uh, call ourselves that, but we we have the full basketball team now. Good stuff. So if I if I sound a little tired, uh, I have a built-in excuse. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was just gonna say, if Andrew comes across a little fuzzy, he probably didn't sleep at all last night. No, no, he's. Uh, Sorry, what were we talking about? Yeah, again? exactly. Uh, no, but congratulations uh, to you and the and the family. He's a cute little Thank guy. You. Um, he's five. getting plump, which is good. That is good. Um, but bless you five children. Woo. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> All right. So let's get into, uh, the real reason that we are here. We are rounding out our KPIs by department series. This has been a good one. We've, uh, got some good wisdom out of you. Yeah. I think this has been uh, a pretty great conversation. Um, I've, I've gotten some feedback uh, from members, uh, they're coming up with their own ideas for what to track, which is great. You know, with this is by no means comprehensive. We're going to talk about things we like, but find things that you like to track in your company and go after it. And so, uh, I, it's been it's been fun. And it has today, been. I, I, I'm excited for today because we get to talk about some KPIs that um, or some departments that don't often get talked about. So it's going to be great to highlight some of the unsung heroes um, in the company. Yeah, I love that. And I, um, it's great to hear that you've had, I know, just clients talk to you about it. Again, it's, you know, this, the KPIs that we talk about are, are by no means the the full list, but to hear that it's, you know, 
encouraging others to think about what's important to them. I think that's the whole point of why we're doing this. Uh, so we've hit, just to recap quickly, we did an overview episode talking about why KPIs are so important, what they are. Uh, we talked about marketing and sales, uh, inside and outside operations, and now to the counting and the calculating of yeah. the human resources and accounting departments. Like, uh, yeah, I think KPIs don't have to be complicated, you know, so, so to sort of bring everybody back into the, to the moment sort of. And we'll talk about this with these particular departments, HR and accounting, but KPIs don't always have to be calculated, which that can make it fun and dig into things, but but they can also be counted. And we talked about that a lot with the office that sometimes making a scoreboard, how many sales did we, what's the max number of sales we've made in a day? How many counting, how many sales got made today and what's our max, you know, how can we, how can we, how many um, sales have been made in a month and how can we max that out? Uh, this podcast, honestly, every month or weekly, I think you talk about how many listens we've had and, and we're just like, everybody's waiting with bated breath. You know, yeah. We, it like, almost, it feels like a game a little bit. Yeah. Like you're, you're going against yourself. Like we're always trying to beat what we did before. Um, so it's just an internal game that we're playing. It's the counting game, <laughs> trying to do more than before. So culture is the motivation. PFP is the reward. The KPI lets us know how we're doing. And so if we have the right culture and we have good tracking, we start changing our behaviors around the excitement and the reward is fun. But a lot of this is the same. So when we when we talked about in the office tracking, what's the max number of things we've done in a day and what do we need to change Either maybe it's time to hire a new role, or maybe we can change some processes to do more of it. Um, so counting can be just as meaningful as calculating. It's funny. I, just until you kind of said that, didn't really hit me. The KPI is what makes it almost kind of fun. Like we get me just look thinking about you know what you just mentioned the the podcast listens every week or every month um, or you know thirty, sixty, ninety days the downloads. Those keep it kind of keeping up, keep us enticed to do more and to get uh, mm-hmm. to follow up more. What can we do to get more people involved? What do people want to hear? Like it keeps it, it really interesting to know where we're at. It's a good confirmation that you have the right culture. If you can track a KPI and people can have fun doing it. Great. Now we're ready for PFP. PFP is always on everybody's mind. You know, now now we're ready for the reward to be the reward. If you're tracking KPIs and nobody's really excited about it, then you probably don't have the right culture in place and offering a PFP for it. In my experience, it's just another way for you not to pay people. That's what your Mm -hmm. team's going to think. If you don't have the right culture in place, then adding a monetary element to tracking KPIs won't be received the way you want it to be received. That's important because I I would sometimes think that maybe the KPI attached to a PFP fixes everything, but I guess it's not that's not the case. You, there's yeah, a, there the, can be a negative flip to it. Well, the the ambition and utilitarian in us we see it, and so we say, sure, well, let's offer an economic reward, and that'll change people's behaviors. PFP pay for performance and bonuses are not a motivator; they're a reward. Culture is the motivator. So start tracking KPIs, get to the point where you're having fun 
and engagement and people are, are open to change through the tracking of, of indicators, a scoreboard, create a scoreboard, have fun with that scoreboard, create a culture of monitoring and improvement. If people are, are improving and enjoying it and even having tough conversations, but now it's part of your culture, now it's time to add um, a monetary element. Only well, after. Only after. And so I think that's a great kind of segue into our first department discussion of the day, human mm-hmm. resources, because HR plays a pretty big role in the PFP world. I mean, they are attached to the payroll, to the, mm-hmm. the people in the company. Um, so let's talk about human resources and what are some really key K- KPIs that um, you want to see companies doing, should be should be seeing companies doing, um, and what can we recommend? Yeah, so we're, you made a good point. We're continuing a lot from operations on the last call um, to now rolling into some of the same outcomes, hiring, applications, training. HR is, is tracking a lot of this stuff or, or putting systems in place to track a lot of these things. We talked a lot about the recruiting stuff. There's a, a lot of cool recruiting calculations, yield ratio, how, how many people have I hired versus how many people I've interviewed and, and even how many applicants then interviews, then hires. There's a whole pipeline of, of things. So recruiting we talked about that in one of our prior episodes. There's a lot of cool stuff there. I think what I, what I want to focus on this time, again, we, we can't be comprehensive. So we're, I want to focus on um, the training element and the opportunity that we have in the environment we're facing that we got to build our own talent. We're dealing with 30 years of Mr. and Mrs. Jones telling little Johnny to go to college, which is great, but not become a plumber or not become a painter or not take on a trade, whatever that, you know, a carpenter, whatever that is. And so now we're dealing with the consequence of that. And I, I hope that'll change because there's a great career in the trades. And so now we have an opportunity to really track becoming your own training academy. So things like uh, going back to the counting part, how many promotions did we have this month? How, what's our goal for promotions? We, so not just raises, but people moving from apprentice to craftsman or craftsman to senior craftsman or craftsman to job leader or so some type of, of title role change. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that we're, we've got at least, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm shot in the dark, but let's say what, a, you know, 10% of your employees, that 10% of your employees are getting some kind of promotion a quarter or a month or so that that's, you know, maybe in a quarter. So if you've got 60, 60 employees in the field, so six people a quarter, that's two people a month. So two people a month and we celebrate that. And that that's a great win for HR. Um, and just the counting of it, uh, maybe a, a calculated one is now taking that information and what's the time to promotion. How long does it take for someone to go from zero to 60 in your company. And, you know, this one, this one I think is interesting. And I'm, as I, I just, we're kind of riffing here on the call, but you know, I, I don't know that faster is better. I think there's a balance to that, to achieving quality and quantity that I have the right number of people, but they're also excelling 
at the appropriate skill level. So how long ought it take? And then how long is it taking? And it's important for you internally to know because you, you know, you're trying to put together the appropriate teams um, that are out in the field, but it's also something that's really great from an external knowledge point, because someone, if I was to walk into a painting company tomorrow and I have zero skills now, that's a lie. I, I, grew, yeah, I grew up in a, in a, in a somewhat painting in, in environment with uh, no one painting in my backyard, but you know, I can, I can wipe down the walls and do, do some, do some cutting, but like if I were to walk in and how mm-hmm. do, when do I expect to become a full-fledged painter? Like what's, what's, what's my timeline? And so, so first we got to define what it means to be a full-fledged craftsman, whether that's carpenter, plumber. I mean, some of the, there are trades that have licensing involved. So there's, there are formalized apprentice stages there, but what does that mean in your company? Those licensing um, requirements are often um, a middle denominator or, or at least you can do this. What does that mean in your company? What does it mean to be an apprentice? And I, I think a common thread for, I think all the companies we work with is that even when people, when experienced people come from a different company, there's very much a sense of going pro that, mm-hmm. yes, I know you've, you've done framing at this other company for three years, but yeah, see, we're pros. So you, like that you're an apprentice here, even though you're a craftsman there. So what's your level? What do you define as apprentice, apprentice one, apprentice two, craftsman one, craftsman two, lead craftsman? What are those requirements? And then tracking people through it. Um, so training sessions, I think another another counting element here is how many training sessions are done per month. You know, if you have, there's a handful of, of members, companies that we work with that are innovating training coordinator roles. Sometimes that role is, is overseeing that maybe they're, they're not specifically a craftsman, but they're overseeing other people doing the training. Other times they are the craftsman and they're now coordinating and doing some of the training themselves. So how many training sessions do we want to have a month? Let's track it. Let's make a scoreboard. How many people have attended a training on-site or off-site? Um, I think um, one that came up, I think this came up briefly on a previous one, but I, I think you mentioned it actually, um, attendance by crew. So tracking absenteeism and attendance by crew. I think there was a reason why we, we brought this up, but anyway, you know, are, are there any particular crews that are having attendance issues? And is there a reason? Is there a reason why they're not showing up because they don't want to be there? Yeah, I mean, this the KPIs here are really kind of all about the people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like they're getting a heartbeat on the employees and, you know, from the training to the attendance to the promotions um, to how many people are out there doing doing the work, mm-hmm. you know, feet on the street. I mean, it's, and then going back to the recruiting from the applicants, the interviews to the hires and what you can expect if you were to bring in a hundred applicants, are you going to get 60 interviews and maybe hire 10 mm-hmm. people? I mean, those are all stats that you're looking at. So it's really, really, it's, it's the pulse on the business from a people perspective. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, you know, if we're going to grow our businesses, what we do with our time might be different, but what we sell is time. 
And the more people we have and the more talented they are, the better we're going to do. We pause for a quick moment to remind you that today's episode of Out of the Hourglass is brought to you by Graco. A USA-based manufacturer, Graco was founded in 1926 by two brothers who had an innovative idea. Today, they remain a multi-divisional global leading supplier of products and systems that move, measure, mix, control, dispense, and spray a wide variety of fluids and coatings. They pump peanut butter into jars and oil into automobiles, spray coatings onto pills, and paint and texture coatings onto homes and buildings. For over 60 years, the Graco Contractor Division has been the go-to for professional painting contractors wanting the best source of dependable and high-quality professional equipment that gets the job done. This includes equipment to apply architectural paint and coatings, disinfecting and sanitizing chemicals, drywall finishing, and interior and exterior texture coatings, pavement and protective field coatings. If you have a coatings application need, they have a solution. Their commitment to their end-user customer goes beyond the products they manufacture. All Graco employees are trained and committed to deliver A-plus customer service to every customer every time. And now, back to our episode. You know, I think another one I would mention here, this relates back to operations, but in, in the HR realm is realized feet on the street. Mm-hmm. And I think this gets to absenteeism and uh, uh, absenteeism attendance and hours worked that maybe you have uh, 30 people in the field, but you're realizing 35 because they're working more hours, or maybe you're realizing 25 because people are, we're not either not scheduling them long enough or they're, they're leaving, they're not working 40 hours a week. So let's address that. What's your realized feet on the street? Um, a lot of people are tracking average wage and total hours worked in a week. What's our total billable hours, but calculating that converting it into realized feet on the street makes it a real number. And it's definitely something that the management level supervisors and managers can can pay attention to. And I think it's important from a, if we pull back a little bit <clears throat> and think about the the listeners on the call, or I'm sorry, you know, listeners here on the podcast, that there's a variety of business sizes that we work with, and not everyone has an HR department. You know, they're on their way to growing and formulating an HR department, but these are KPIs. I'm assuming Andrew that can be. You don't have to. You don't have to have an HR department to be tracking these. It will become the job of the HR department to formulate and track these. But there are things within here that just the office can be handling. Um, they, but like we should yeah. be tracking them. Yeah, I mean, do it on paper. You don't. I mean, right. you don't have to have the most advanced training program to make a log of who got a, who got promoted, who got a raise. It it's a commitment to tracking and writing things down. That now, then there are. I think at this point, I've been pretty proven systems out there. Smartsheet, Litmos. Um, I thought Monday.com was one of them. Um, content management systems, to use fancy talk, <laughs> that are that are you can put content in and it, it'll do the tracking for you. How many people have done the training? How many people this? How many people that? But I I don't think it's anything you know for smaller teams that a bookkeeper couldn't go back and review how many people got raises, how many people got promoted that field, a field supervisor can't keep track of simpler, the better. Simpler, the better. And I also think, um, the more tangible, like if you, 
you, or if you write it, if you put it down, the more attainable it becomes. Well, the attainable part. So I was actually just thinking, you know, publishing to your employees, how many people got promoted or time to promotion, you know, that's encouragement for them to ask for training. And I definitely want to, I want to put or be in a position or have companies in a position where people are asking for training. I don't want to wait for the leader to point somebody out. I want, I want someone to feel comfortable saying, I want more training on X, Y, Z. I want, when can I do this? And then we've, I mean, we've got to work with that. We got to do our part and get that person into a position where they can experience more of that training. But I want people asking for it. And so the more we promote it, the more we track it, the more we show it to people and celebrate mm-hmm. it, the more eager they're going to be to say, oh, you know, the, we, we can we can do this. I, I can ask for more training. I can. And then, then they go home and, you know, their friends hate their job and never get any training. And they can say, no, we do training. No, we, we, we do that. You should come work with us. Training is a culture. Mm-hmm. Most certainly a culture. Um, so, I mean, you can tell my, I mean, my, my brain, when it, when it comes to HR, you know, is really on this training track. Are we, mm-hmm. how can we promote it? How can we become our own training Academy? What are the most important things we can, we can do to make sure we're on track to set goals. It's powerful stuff. And we, if we can become our own training academies, we're going to win. We're going to win. Well, do you know who likes to win? I think it's the accounting department. (laughs) I wasn't sure where you were going with that. I know. And I love when I can stoop and I can, I can take one over you for a second. I was like, (laughs) you froze. No, but I, the accounting department. What the accounting department wants to win. They want to see the good numbers. They want to see that profit. They want to, I mean, the revenue numbers go up. I mean, so who doesn't want to win? They want to win. I, I would say um, my accounting brethren, we, we want to make sure processes are followed and that we, we win through consistency uh, and systems. And um, when everything reconciles, that's a win. Yes. No, no reconciliation discrepancies this month. Yes. Our audience just rolled their eyes. Who is this guy? Recon- what, what's a reconciliation discrepancy? Um, but yes, I think there there are there are things to track that are, um, I would say, standardized metrics. Accounting departments and accounting and finance is, is very standardized. So there are standard metrics. You know, there's that we talk about a lot: current mm-hmm. ratio, balance sheet things. How healthy is your balance sheet? Um, and I think they are rewardable. Again, we got to have the right culture and the right tracking in place um, and make it fun, or at least not a detriment. Then we can offer the reward. Um, so who's in charge of reserves? Whose job is it to make sure that there are always 60 days of cash in reserves that nobody touches come hell or high water? Can I pull can I pull back from the non-accounting people in the room? Yeah. Is 60 days cash on hand in the reserves the you know the recommended amount? Yeah, that's our, our standard um, that we look at. So it's it's 60 days of revenue. Now we we kind of modified our own metric there. If you look up days cash on the internet, it's going to say cost. Uh, we struggle with that because we always get the question, well, what's included? Mm-hmm. So we just decided to include everything. So it's 60 days of revenue in reserves that nobody touches. And it is so powerful. Um, 
uh, one longtime summit member uh, calls it the sleepometer. And she and I would, we would spend time every leading up to every winter. She, she would ask me, what is, how's my sleepometer going to do? Am I going to sleep this winter? And mm-hmm. we made sure that there was enough cash and reserves to get through winter and have some left over. So somebody's got to own that. How many days uh, do we have in cash in reserves and that we don't touch it um, for any reason? It's there always. Um, days receivables is another one. So same thing. Um, days of revenue in receivables. So total revenue divided by 365 days gives me revenue per day. So then receivables divided by revenue per day. So how many days of revenue do I have? You know, if, if you're doing commercial work, it could be up to 60 days. Uh, if you're mixing in um, some other work or, or industrial, it could be 90. I, you know, I've, so there, I, don't, I don't know that there's a standardized number, but somebody's got to own this and somebody's got to pay attention to it. And how can we make it, how can we make sure it never goes over 60? Mm-hmm. And looking for patterns to a different, you know, depending upon which industry you're in, if you can kind of connect with peers and understand kind of where, where their numbers lie, I think that's helpful to, to stay on yeah. track or to get to kind of give yourself a, a sense of where you want to be. What, what, what's, what's the goal for your particular company? Since accounting is very process and routine oriented. And so because of that, I think it's good to track routine oriented things. So um, job costing is done by, by Thursday of every week or the numbers are done by the 10th of the month, that financials, everything's reconciled and done by the 10th of the month. And every month that we do that, again, if we have the right culture, then every month we do that, maybe there's a PFP for the people involved because we got to do what it takes to get the numbers done by the 10th of every month. Can I, can I pull back once more and ask mm-hmm. for the non-accounting folks in the room? Uh, hey, sure. AKA myself. Um, <laughs> Is the 10th of the month a, that's my job here. I'm I'm here to ask questions and I'm here to learn. I learn on every podcast that I do, which is really fun for me. You do that really well, Maul. Thank you. You're an excellent facilitator. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Is the 10th of the month for kind of a numbers wrap up of the month prior a standard? Is that what we recommend? Yeah, I can't say that it's a standardized number. I know it's the number I always talk about. And it, it's got to be before the 15th. What it can't be is the 20th. If you're not getting your numbers reconciled and done to review. So we're coming up on the end of the month. It's, today's the last day of the month. So by October 10th, we got to have everything reconciled. The credit cards are downloaded and reconciled. The bank accounts, everything's done uh, so that we can review how we did. And does it match what we were projecting? And if you're waiting until the 20th, if it's after the 15th, something's got to change. We're, it's paralysis by analysis. We're, we're defaulting to wanting too much information. Uh, one of my favorite quotes uh, from Colin Powell, if you remember him, the general that led Desert Storm, uh, he has a quote, if you have more than 70% of the information, you're already dead. Now he was talking about war. So fortunately, no one's going to die, but the same principle applies you know, if, if more and more information isn't going to make solving the problem any easier, might help us, might give us some direction, but more information doesn't solve the problem. So uh, if you're not getting numbers done by the 10th, maybe the 12th, maybe the 12th, 
then something's got to change. So okay. setting up that goal, we, this is what we have to do. We got to get it done by the 10th and we're going to reward people if we can get that done. So if, if you pick the 10th or you pick the 8th or you pick the 11th, the, the key factor is that you are talking about it. You're making it known. That is what we do every month, that the numbers are in by this day. Um, and that's the standard. You, yeah, that's, that's the culture the, part that we can yeah, talk yeah. about it. Nobody's, everybody covers their belly button. We don't, nobody gets offended that we, it's part of our culture. It's part of who we are. We talk about these things. We talk about getting better. That's the culture part for sure. So days receivables, days in reserves, um, uh, standard financial metrics that you need to be looking at. Certainly current ratio, uh, other balance sheet type metrics, and then date things, um, routine and date things. The job costing is done by the Thursday of every week for the, for the prior week or before. Those are, those are the, for me in accounting, those are the numbers that are going to drive process improvement. Andrew, in your advanced financial peer group that you run on a monthly basis, uh, mm -hmm. you, you know, you're working with six to seven financial controllers um, from different businesses. What what are the primary KPIs that you all are talking about? Are, is it these items or yep. is, is there one that you guys seem to kind of lean into more than, than another? I, we, we all stress over reserves. It's, it's kind of funny. They, these are very smart people, a lot, a lot smarter in me, than me in many ways. And we're all stressed about how healthy is our balance sheet? How, how many days of reserves do we have? Um, one person in the group, I, I love it. He, he loves to say it's my money and I'm not paying it to you until I'm ready. Mm -hmm. So we obsess about, you know, when's the right time to pay these bills. So not paying things until you have to, to maintain your own cash flow. Um, so that would be days payables, monitoring a day's payables. And that's where paying your bills immediately isn't necessarily the best thing in the world. It could be, but it might not be. It's my money. And I don't want to give it to you until I'm ready. I like to hear that because it's it's almost like, I mean, you're sharing as a, as an owner, the owner of these businesses are sharing the stresses of the operations with the corp management team um, who are like 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 the controller. If your controller is stressing about reserves, then you've got a good controller because they're 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 focused on it. Such a great point. I do think I do think KPIs across the organization help transfer that sleeplessness. Mm -hmm. Who else is losing sleep over the business? And do they realize how meaningful it is? And KPIs are a way to do that for sure. I mean, the goal is that everyone's sleep meter is at a hundred percent going into the winter. It's what we want. <laughs> I mean, if we can't if we can't share the insomnia and get the sleep meter to be a little bit better, I, we need to look at our 90-day plan and reprioritize for sure. Now, when you bring an infant into the world, the sleep <laughs> the sleepometer, you know, naturally drops dramatically. Uh, but you know, you know, I think you did a pretty good job considering the lack of sleep. You gave us some good stuff here. Yeah, in terms of counting, you know, we we had quite a few nights of of uh, two hours, two hour <laughs> segments. We're up to three hour segments. We had one five hour segment. Oh, gold. So that what it took to get to that five hour length of time was I don't know was worth it because there was a whole <laughs> lot of crying. And sleep sleeplessness that led up to that one long stretch. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. The joys of a uh, baby oh, yeah. world. He he has been well welcomed into the house. Oh, I, I think they would they would absorb him 
if they could. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, again, that goes, it all goes back to the reason why we talk about KPIs. It goes back to culture. It goes back to that sleepometer, getting, making sure that the team is energized, the company is healthy going into any, any season, really. Any season can present its own challenges, but the KPIs can really help uh, keep, a, keep a good pulse on what's happening. Make it fun. Make it trackable. Talk about it. Talk more. The goal, certainly, the goal of KPIs and the, and I would say, the goal of pay for performance, uh, is to talk more. If you're if you're using KPIs and pay for performance to eliminate conversations, you're using it for the wrong reason. Not going to happen. KPIs and pay for, for per, pay for performance increase conversations. I want to create more opportunities to talk with my team about what can improve. Again, I just learned something new. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it, it, it's a bad habit we can get into using economic incentives to solve problems, but they don't, they just make it worse. If you don't have the right culture in place, and I, I don't mean to be repetitive, but I just can't say it enough. Your team is going to look at these bonuses as a way for you not to pay them. Yeah, you know, he, he ought to be paying me that anyway, or she ought to be, you know, it's just another way for them not to pay me what I'm due, what I'm owed. Yep. And or if, if, if someone, right in place, if yeah. someone's unhappy, some, you know, and you don't understand this kind of is a, a little bit of a tangent, but if someone is, your team is unhappy and you don't understand the why that they're unhappy, what's the core issues that are bothering them. And all you do is throw more money at them when you're not fixing the problem. Again, you're just basically making more of a toxic culture. Culture is the motivator. PFP is the reward. Actually, uh, another way dovetailing on what you just said there, PFP is going to enhance whatever culture you've got. It's not going to change the culture. So if you've got bad culture, it's going to make bad culture worse. If you've got good culture, then it'll probably enhance and, and it'll be celebrated as part of your good culture. Culture is the motivator. PFP is the reward. Culture is king. We always, sometimes we say cash is king, but sometimes I think Ooh. culture is king. That's real. You heck told me something just now. You, that's real good. You had told me something there. The culture is the king. I love it. I apologize, everyone. That's that's the sleepometer at two percent for Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> you know they're getting to see a, a view of our staff meetings and all the silly voices. Oh yes. Oh yes. Meetings. Culture well, is king. Absolutely. I think we'll we'll leave it there, everyone. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us, Andrew. Thanks to those who stuck with us through the end here of the KPI series. We hope that you are walking away with some new nuggets of knowledge. And uh, again, if you have any questions or insights or recommendations or KPIs that you think that we should be teaching others about, or you have a new KPI that's just doing wonders for your company's culture and you know encouragement. Share it. We'd love to hear it. For sure. Great job with the podcast, Paul. Awesome. Thank you. And we will see you next time, Andrew. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business consulting firm with coaches located around the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for a future episode? We'd love to hear from you visit our website, www.nolancg.com.